Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to Voices from the Bench. We are at episode number 27. My name is Elvis Dahl. And I'm Barbara Wojan. And you don't need to know where we're from because you already do, hopefully. So, Barb, does Night Dental do digital dentures? No, we actually do not do digital dentures, but we have printers, we have scanners, and we have all of the means to do them. So we'll probably be looking into it in the next three to four months, actually. It's it's on the horizon for us, for sure. Sure. We've done a few. We had a doctor that was interested, and we did like two or three. I think I did the first one for free, just so we could play with it. Yeah. We did the next two at cost, and he liked it. But once I figured out how much I had to charge the doctor... He didn't like it so much. I had to charge more than what a regular denture was. So I think that's a big part of it that needs to change in order to be successful. Well, I think our two guests today can enlighten us a little bit on what it takes to add traditional along with digital um, to get us to the path where we can do digital dentures. It's for sure a good starting point. Definitely for me, very enlightening, very interesting. And um, I like everything that they have to say. Yeah. So we got a new... I actually had a dentist, Dr. Drew Agnini, in my office Friday that said that he heard us on Dental Hacks. Yeah! That's awesome. He listens to that podcast. He's like, oh my God, I heard you and Elvis, and um, it was amazing. And I was like, wow, that is really neat. So it's a small world. Yeah. This is the season that all the Spears study groups are starting, and I think I had five in the last two weeks. Two doctors mentioned they heard. Fantastic. Yeah, two doctors mentioned that they heard us on the dental hacks. Of course, when I ask if they've listened to our show, they kind of look the other way. But, you know, it's a start. It's a start. You know, I think we should call those guys and ask them if they, you know, want to be on our podcast. Maybe we can do another one with them because they're definitely amazing. And a lot of my docs know who they are and listen to them. So kudos. I'll definitely reach out. Um, We know you will. (laughs) That's your amazing gift is reaching out and getting people involved. And I appreciate that about you. I'll bug them until they can't say no. (laughs) All right. We got a new interview starting this week with Robert Cryer. And Yulia, and I'm going to mess up her last name, and I probably do it in the interview too, Guroff. These two are very well educated and have an experienced history in the removable field, and they've decided to embrace the removable digital workflow. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. I'd like to thank Robert Cryer and Yulia, I'm going to butcher it, Gafruloff. I think I already messed it up. Gafurov. <laughs> please ex- please excuse me. I am from Indiana. I'd like to thank you guys for joining us on the show today. You guys are from Danville, California, and you have a consulting business called Dentagnostic, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's consulting. I do the consulting uh, with manufacturers. And Yulia is starting a digital uh, removal prosthetic laboratory. Wonderful. Love it. Excellent. We always like on the show to find out how everybody ended up in this crazy industry. So, Robert, tell us, how did you end up doing what you do now? Well, my grandfather was in uh, dentistry. So was uh, my father, my uncle. So, you know, a lot of like most 
people, you know, second, third generation in this business. My grandfather and father ran, they about, there was about 25 dental labs on uh, offices on the West Coast. They're one-day denture offices. So you go in the morning, get your teeth in the afternoon, and each practice did an average of like 25, 30 dentures a day. So they, wow. were, they were kind of like the, um, you know, the Aspen or the, you know, affordable dentures of the yeah. 19, 1930s and 40s wow. and 50s. And then uh, after that, you know, it's, it's how I got introduced to, to it. Later on, in, I went into the, I was drafted during Vietnam. I was a field combat medic. Uh, Vietnam got de-escalated and my MOS, they had to be changed from because there's no use for any combat medics. So I had dental experience. I took a test, passed it, went changed my MOS to uh, a dental specialist. Went through training at Fort Sam Houston in Texas at the uh, Medical Field Service School. And on all aspects of dental technology, we learned crown and bridge, ceramics, dentures, partials, every, orthodontics, everything. And also there was a component for dental assisting as well. And then um, after that, I got married, started having a family. And then you know, it was difficult going back to going to school. And also I, I decided I really enjoyed the technical aspect of uh, dentistry, rather you know, more so than the clinical. I started learning as much as I could about the technical side. I opened up a little lab in the back of the house, did uh, dentures, crown of bridge, everything. And really enjoyed complete dentures. Um, back then, we used a house articulator. We uh, everything set up on uh, Pilkington Turner porcelain teeth. Working with prosthodontists, that was 1975, and still had a vulcanizer at that time. We still had some need to vulcanize, vulcanize dentures, which was you know. What is vulcanized? Uh, vulcanized is a rubber process where you know, dentures are used, you know, uh, the base is like a rubber. Really? It's like a tire. Same process that they make tires out of. Oh, jeez. And so this was used for many years in dentistry. And actually, it's, the patients loved it. They Once they wore this because it was resilient base, they, loved, they actually loved it. The problem was the, the smell of absorbed oral fluids. When you process it, it was like sulfur. So oh, yeah. it was a lot, lot of issues. But anyway, so I, you know, yeah. opened up a lab. And that was in uh, Santa Rosa, California, many years ago in the 70s. I did a few different things after that, then opened up a lab in, in uh, Mill Valley, California in uh, 78, there for 38 years. Then, um, you know, at the, during that time, I'm just trying to take different courses at different universities involved in study groups at University of California, San Francisco, USC, uh-huh. and Southern California, and then took a corporate position. After that, uh, went to want to learn about digital dentures, went to Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, with Yulia, we learned uh, digital dentures. And I was very interested in because I could see that was the future. And then here we are today in Danville, California, you know, using the knowledge we have in digital and uh, starting this business with consulting and making digital dentures. Excellent. What pulled you into digital dentures other than it's just going to be the future? I mean, do you see that it's going to be the only way in the future? No, absolutely. There's going to be a, I call it three different workflows. There's a conventional workflow that we've been used for many years, which has changed that we have a digital workflow 
then we have an integrated workflow where we'll use some of the steps in, in a conventional workflow. And then maybe at the end of it, or some portion of it, like in the try-in, we will uh, digitize that. So for example, conventionally, we might go to try-in state and then where we can move teeth around, they can try it in the mouth. And then we'll scan that try-in and use that try-in as a reference mm-hmm. to set the teeth digitally so we can create a file and off that file, the patient will have a, a this this file in their history. So I look at STL files, kind of like radiographs, yeah. that eventually I think it'll be part of the patient's record. And as a prosthesis is altered, changed, modified over a period of time, then it'll be scanned and those scans will be registered. So we have an updated file of the ongoing prosthesis. So, um, so Yulia, can you tell us kind of a little bit about how you got into this industry and, and where you're at now? Yeah, yeah, I will share with you. <laughs> uh, well, I'm uh, as the, from uh, former Soviet Union, from Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. So my story is that I was, after high school, I graduated high school. It was, uh, well, a long time ago, but uh, anyway, after... I graduated high school. I didn't know like all the kids and, uh, you know, they, after the school, they don't know what they're going to do. And my dad, he as well, we used to have the small lab in the house back there. And he was doing the dentures and uh, crown bridge, mainly crown bridge. And I saw this, I saw this, how he did, but I, uh, I was fascinating, but I never put my hands on. But after, like I said, after I graduated school, I was like, uh, what am I going to do? I was going to be a dentist. I was, I was, at this time, I would like to be. But uh, my dad said, well, if you want to be a good dentist, you better to be a good technician as well. And my brother, really, wow. he is... Wise word. <laughs> my brother, he is a, a dentist. He... They have a practice with his wife here in uh, Sacramento, California. So I have a couple uh, members of my family that involved in this business. And um, I said, yeah, sure, why not? So, But in the uh, Soviet Union at this time, it was absolutely necessary to have formal education. You cannot get a job without a college degree. And, but it was very hard to get involved in this business because, you know, it's, um, you can make a lot of money out of this. And my dad, he had the connections. He helped me to get in uh, college. I uh, graduated college there. It was two years um, program. And after I graduated, I went, I started working. I got involved in the lab there and uh, I was doing everything. Crown bridge, uh, dentures, partials, uh, orther, everything. I was doing, uh, you know, for uh, until I left Soviet Union. I came here, and uh, as well, when while I was working there, it was a clinic, and we were working side by side with the dentist. So I had a chance hmm. to see the patient all the time. And I had experience, some experience to see and um, how it works. And this is, I, I got a lot of knowledge how the dentists work, what needs to be done. All uh, it's, it's improved. It's, it's, 
this is what I have foundation for. When we came over here in the United States, I came in 1990, late of 1990, in December of 1990. I um, began with my family, having two kids, and um, I start involved, I get involved, but I like more removable side of it. And I start. I got a job in um, Microdental, start working there. Yeah, okay. And um, mm-hmm. I was working there for 20 years. And a couple of times I was team leader of removable, the whole removable team. And then, um, well, then I had the chance to go to Arizona and learn about this digital side of it as well. I had uh, experience. I, I was there for a year and a half. And I was in charge of quality control department. But also I was doing digital side. I was helping in the lab side. And um, so I was helping uh, mm-hmm. technicians who is uh, doing the fin- finalized uh, ventures. I showed the different ways to how to finalize, uh, improve the quality. And um, after a year and a half, we came back. Actually, I was working for 10 months in, uh, after we came back here in California, uh, I was working in uh, Clear Choice doing conversion for 10 months. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, now we open our own business because we see the, uh, this digital side of uh, removable. Uh, it's evolving and we want to be part of it. We want to involve, we want to invest our knowledge, what we have, me and Robert, uh, in a conventional and a digital side and try to help this technology to move on because we we see this potential. We see this, a lot of uh, uh, advantage of it. That's a great story. I definitely see a huge advantage into the um, digital technology. And I know Robert professionally has always been ahead of the curve. So I'm glad to see you guys um, forming this union. Yeah, yeah thank you, Barbara. Uh, thank you. There's, you know, in the past, you, even marketing and uh, you listen to people, they just talk about the digital denture. And there's so much more to it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, the title, The Digital Transformation of Denture Workflows, because which a lot of people aren't talking about is the entire workflow from diagnostics all the way down to delivery. Mm-hmm. And when you did have this uh, enter digital into this workflow, how does it change that workflow? Like I said earlier, you can, you can have an integrated workflow where you have the digital and conventional during the same process, but you digitize the try-in, you scan the try-in or some, another phase, or maybe the uh, base plate and the occlusal rims or the central bearing device. And then you, the second half of the phase, the process is all digital. Hmm. Once you understand what you can do digitally from the diagnostic, I mean, when I first saw STL files and and looked at these these residual ridges, the mouse, the arches, you know, in different perspectives where we could, you know, where how we're so limited on our dental articulator to look at and we, you know, with uh, with files in a diagnostics perspective, you know, you're looking through the top of the superior or the inferior view of the articulator and right through the models and you can see the relationships of the ridges. You can see so much more detail. Um, in in a file than you can on an actual cast, as you well know in fixed prosthodontics. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
So can I ask you, um, how did you come up with the name of your company? It's pretty awesome. Uh, thank you. It's, it was a process. <laughs> we sat around. For, <laughs> what it is, it's uh, uh, Dentnostics. Uh, so the, the Latin root, uh, dental, and then also Gnostics, meaning knowledge. And then uh, Yulia said, well, let's take the S and throw an X on there to make it a little higher tech. Yeah. So that's where it came from. And just we wanted a, a name that meant something and then just mm-hmm. kind of that we could relate to and related to us as well. So we both feel we, you know, over the years, uh, the, um, many years, we've gained a lot of knowledge. And through the consulting uh, business, uh, we are passing on knowledge as well as in training uh, seminars or whatever we do. Um, but the whole goal, like Yulia said, is we want to learn, help this technology grow and help educate technicians, dentists, and so we can make a better prosthesis for the patient. Excellent. Is your lab completely 100% digital? No, no, because like I said earlier, you know, I, we've, I firmly believe there's going to be three different workflows. There's going to be a conventional, digital, and an integrated workflow. Yeah. Uh, right now, you know, we're just finishing set up. You know, we have scanner and Neos X5 scanner coming, uh, which is not set up yet. We just opened up this business a couple, two months ago and put in all the benches, put in the equipment th- three months ago. Yeah, seems like it's going by fast. But yeah, so it was June 1st and you know, we uh, we came incorporated in the state of California, I guess in May. And then June, we took over the space and remodeled it. Yeah, just putting in, as you know, putting in benches, installing, you know, lines and doing everything that has to be done, you know, before you can uh, put all the equipment in is a job in itself. Oh, yeah. The laboratory build out. It's it's all fun. (laughs) You know, it's it's fun. It's fun. I mean, I'm I'm at the point in my life. It's I didn't think I'd be doing this, you know, once again, building another lab. But uh, I feel like I'm kind of reborn. I'm starting, you know, I'm ready to go again. I, I can hear the excitement in your voice. It sounds like you guys are both very excited about it. Yeah. So, Robert, you contacted me because we had a couple interviews with some uh, denture technicians, mm-hmm. and their outlook on digital dentures was not positive. And you, like myself, are on Facebook a lot, and there's a lot of people. You're either for it or you're against it. And I, I see the pros and cons to both. But you had some really interesting points, which, you know, got us to do this interview on the positive aspects of digital dentures. So lay it out. Why do you guys feel that it's not going to, A, kill the denture technician, and B, it's going to benefit the patient in the laboratory industry in a whole? Because a lot of people are afraid that it's going to become so digital that you won't need denture technicians and it's going to be a cheap commodity product. Well, you know, Elvis, yeah, I, first of all, I really appreciate, you know, you giving me the opportunity to speak about this and Barbara, you know, this is a great um, forum that you've created. I think this podcast on voices from the bench, you know, will continue to grow because it's a really excellent format to, uh, voice your opinions on different uh, subjects in uh, prosthetic dentistry. Thank you. I've always been one to keep, I'm always very positive in life. I always think you have to, you know, yeah, you have to look at some, you have to be, you know, sometimes look at things from a objective, you know, perspective, but yet you have to be positive and, and, and living in the Silicon Valley area, uh, seeing how technology has just affected, you know, uh, dramatically 
our surroundings. It has changed in Northern California dramatically. And so I, uh, technology, and I, I you see it's, it's, a, it's a huge machine, you know, so to speak, you know, and it's, it's not, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to stop. It's not going anywhere. And this, it's a, it's a digital revolution, you know, exactly what it is. But, uh, I look at it from a different point of view, maybe because I've been involved in so many dentures, digital dentures working, you know, at, as, as evident when I first went there as a director of manufacturing and later as a director of clinical affairs. Uh-huh. And Julia, you know, was in charge of the uh, QC. And, you know, we look at it different because we see that look at the workflows and we don't just look at the denture. We look at everything from the starting from the from receiving the, from actually even before you receive the case, there has to be this communication with the dentist and about the need and understanding. You know, we have to, the dentist just like conventional dentures. You have to understand expectations, desires. Um, you have to have a great impression. You have to have great records. So there's a lot of you know, a lot of knowledge in digital that you know that you must that you must have in order to have successful outcomes. So looking at it, you know, from the workflow perspective, from the diagnostics, from the, the advantages of this and, uh, and, and actually analyzing the case, uh, breaking it down into slices, a model where you can look at undercuts, block out undercuts digitally. Uh, I see so many advantages. I don't look at it as the end product, the digital denture. I look at the entire process. I look at the, you know, and, and how this process can be better. And it is, it is better. I mean, when I first got into the digital dentures back in, I guess, was it 2014, 15? It was different animal. The softwares were different. Everything's changed. And every, everything's uh, evolving, seems mm-hmm. like, every six months. You know, the softwares get better and better. The occlusion gets better. I've seen, you know, I've seen huge advantages. So to answer your question, Elvis, you know, you know, there's, there's going, this, it's going to grow. Digital dentures is definitely growing. Um, and not only for the reason, I think, uh, because what kind of was stated in, in the earlier broadcast about um, technicians retiring, but also because in 1994, in the dental curriculum in the, in the universities, it was, removal prospects was cut out of the curriculum, was cut back. And with dentures for the last 14 years has been an elective. So you don't to graduate from a dental school, you maybe do one, two, three dentures if you're lucky uh, in this country. Other countries, it's much different. In the United States, unless you go into a uh, postdoctorate program like prosthodontics, you, you then you'll do much more dentures and get into implant you know, prosthodontics as well. So I think for that aspect, because of the um, dental school curriculum being cut back and needing a void, and also because of the fact that um, people graduating, going into dental school now, have been all raised with um, digital electronics in their life. They've they've been raised with uh, iPads, iPhones, computers. Uh, it's amazing when I, I give a lecture to um, dentists, whether it be um, residents in a university or a VA or you know different uh, different schools. I'll talk about conventional occlusion. And, and setting teeth conventionally. And, you know, people are, you know, not, not engaged. But as soon as I bring up digital files and start talking about digitally, all the residents, all the young students are totally engaged. 
they they get it. They they want this. Yeah. And then they then the questions start saying, well, how can I get this? Why aren't we learning this? And it's and yeah. And as soon as this gets into the curriculum, and it will be in the curriculum in the next couple of years, then it it's embedded into the curriculum. You know, for the future. Then you have to look at in generations. Maybe it might be you know five years, ten years, but for sure in the, in fifteen to twenty years, all the dentists graduating will be learning digital dentures, digital digital workflows, not digital dentures, but digital workflows, clinical and technical, and that's when things will change. So right now, yeah, we're in the infancy. We're at maybe one and a half percent. We are one percent. You know, one year. You know, last year uh, and and one percent. You know, it's a, it's a, right now dentures is a two and a half billion dollar market. So one percent, you know, it's of that, you know, it's two hundred fifty. You know, we're at five hundred thousand dollar, you know, market at one percent. But in the next, the projections are in five years, it'll go up to a billion dollar market in digital dentures, whereas the full market of dentures will be a little over three billion dollars in the United States. So it's a huge market. So thanks, Robert. That was a great answer. So you talk about it going from 1% um, and then moving up, and you also talk about conventional, digital, and integrated. If I was a lab tech, or I am a lab tech, if I was a removable lab tech working with a doctor, um, where would you start? Uh, how would you get into this? What's the first move you would make, first um, technology you'd be looking at? Like, what, what would you advise me to do if I was wanting to get into this? I would say first for a uh, dentist to get into it, to try the technology is to do, use it for an immediate denture or a, any type of interim appliance like an immediate uh, provisionals. It's you know great technology to use you know uh, for like you know a conversion prosthesis. But the reason why is you know it's it's a it's a provisional appliance. It's um, a lot of times with immediates. You have the uh, you have to grind a lot of the teeth because you have limited you know prosthetic space, and uh, with the digital you can really analyze this. I mean another aspect you actually if you take a step back you first want to get into it from a diagnostic perspective and learn how to treatment plan digitally before you even get into the immediate. So I would say answer your question the first phase would be learn digital treatment planning. Okay utilizing technologies, uh, different technologies. And, and a lot of companies now have their own, you know, uh, type of mm-hmm. treatment planning software. And, and that's that's the first place to begin. Get used to the technology, understand the software, understand the, the workflows. There's a bunch of different companies competing in the digital denture market. You got some that I think it was the Pala, where you finish traditionally. Uh, Ivoclars, where it's a milled. Uh, there's also ones where you can print the final denture. Where do you see the best method or are they all good? Yeah, I think they all, at this point, they all are contributing to the advancement of the technology. And we're in this phase right now, people talking about, you know, subtractive you know, technologies, which is the milling or additive technologies as being the future, you know, which is the printing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the main, what people aren't really talking about is the software, the difference in the software, because the software that truly makes a difference in the prosthesis. I would, you know, urge people to look at the differences in software, uh, the capabilities in software for occlusion, for setting teeth, for running occlusion, occlusion maps. I've been really impressed 
with the software I've used because we've checked it with T-scans. So we've ran a collusion map of the software and then on delivery, we've done a T-scan chair side. And the, 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 it's amazing, the points of occlusion are identical. So I would say, look at software. You know, I'm, there's different workflow processes with each manufacturer. Like you said, some you know, are conventionally finishing the denture. And I mean, Yulia would be a good you know, one to speak of this because she was really involved with the end processes of the, of the milled you know, prosthesis. You know, the workflows are a little bit different. I mean, right now, I mean, if you want to talk about manufacturers and really, really want to talk about workflows, but since you brought up different manufacturers, the Avident work, I chose to work at Avident, you know, to go to Avident because I kind of looked at them as kind of like the years ago, the Apple, you know, the, they're a small company, but kind of uh-huh. they're really cool. And I thought it'd be, you know, to a good place to, you know, so at times you got, you got to be careful who you hit your wagon to, yeah. you know, and, uh, but I, I found, you know, I learned a lot and I, I want, I wanted to get immersed in the technology and learn. I would, I would urge, you know, people to really talk because my, a lot of manufacturers really aren't talking about software. I like the Avident because they have their own engineers write their own software. They don't hmm. use third-party softwares. Oh. It's an amazing, you know, it's amazing tech engineers because they also did the Invisalign software. They don't talk about the history of the, all the engineers involved in their software, but it, it's, it's truly, truly some uh, amazing and uh, brilliant people. So do I understand that if you use Avident, you can't design on a three-shape? Yes and no. I mean, you can scan on a three-shape uh-huh. and export the STL file to them, and they will design. They don't have the capabilities of copy milling. They, you know, it gets probably 98% of theirs, so they have to use whatever the file is as a reference. So if you were to uh, scan a denture, then they would and you tell them the mold, they would take that mold and replace the mold tooth by tooth and use the exist what your scan is as a reference uh-huh. and then uh, design the denture and then set it back to you in an interactive uh, PDF. Interesting. And I can respect all about software and having a, a company that's designing their own software because anytime you, you deal with a third party, it makes your life a lot more difficult and it makes running a laboratory a lot more difficult. So I see your point on that for sure. Yeah, I mean, we have... We have some great companies. I mean, I've, I, you know, I was involved with Ivaclar for many, many years, and you know, I totally respect the company, and you know, involved with you know other companies, and now you know, working with you know with Densply. But in my my goal and Yulia's goal is try to help create something better for the end results going to go for the patient. Whatever we can do in the long term to make a compromised edentulous patient's life better, I think, and and leave something for for, for the profession. I think that's 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 our, our objective. So, um, Yulia, I've got a question. So, if you talk about the conventional digital integrated, what does that look like? Like, how- a big thank you to Robert and Yulia. Next week, we continue the conversation and learn more about the digital workflow in our removable departments. Robert actually spoke at the International Digital Denture Symposium in Phoenix just this last weekend. So, I guess he must know what he's talking about. He definitely knows what he's talking about, and he's uh, he's been amazing in our industry for many, many, many years. And I uh, think this episode's awesome, and I've learned so much, and I, I can't wait to hear the next episode. The great thing about this interview is that it came about because of a previous interview. Robert contacted me, and we started talking. Bam! 
interview. It's that easy. If you have a viewpoint on any subject in our field, send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com, or you can send us a message via Facebook. We love hearing from you. We're happy to bring this to you, and we want to know you're out there, and you're listening, and you enjoy our podcast. Hit us up. Let us know. Speaking of Facebook, if you haven't liked our page, please do so, and invite all your dental technician friends to like our page also. Keep up to date on all things Voices from the Bench. Head over to our website, voicesfromthebench.com. Get yourself a t-shirt and check out the bios of all the guests we have on the podcast. You guys have an awesome week, and we will see you next week. All right, have a good one. Check you later. Bye. Bye. Put that on there. Okay. I won't. <laughs>